AJ, that was an interesting, um, it's been a while since you've sung that song in church, isn't it? I want to give you a really cool testimony of, of that song with my, with my natural father. Um, how many knows that even in difficulties and tragedies, God's faithful? Do you hear me? He's faithful. This is a true story. Um, my father passed away many, many years ago in a, some of you've heard a story, some of you have not. Those that have, please stay with me. Um, me and Chris had just moved into our house and we had not put the phone up in the bedroom yet. And my family had been frantically calling me throughout the night. Um, when I finally received the phone call early in the morning, I had found out that my father had been in a horrific um, fire, that he basically was fried in his bed. Um, he was in Jamestown, he was hanging on. They said, get down here as fast as you can, Jeff, it's not good. So me and Chris jump in the car, we fly down. I see him being wheeled past the family and they're taking him to ECMC, the burn trauma unit. He wasn't conscious, he looked horrible. We all got in our car and we zoomed out to Buffalo to find out what was gonna happen. We're all in shock. Anyways, long and short of it, you know, when you're in that situation, you, you don't even know how to react. But I, for me, it was just like, all right, how's this gonna go? We know he's gonna be okay. Everything's gonna work out, right? God's gonna come through. We get there, the doctor comes in. My question was, what are we looking at? What's, what's, what's the, the, the uh, details of this event? And they're like, it's terrible. It's not good. So we basically were told that he wouldn't make it throughout the day. Um, backstory, me and my dad were not in the best relationship at that time. So that was an extra compound difficulty. We stayed there all day, prayed with them. The family was there, my, my brothers, my sister, my aunts, my uncles. But here's a true story in the midst of a tragic situation. Um, my aunt, who was a nurse, said, you need to all come in here because it's gonna be probably a matter of minutes before he passes away and, and, and goes flat. So we get in the room and we join hands and guess what song we sang? That was his favorite hymn. So we grabbed hands and we began to sing the song. And I kid you not, on the last note, he flatlines and he passes away. Um, very, very tragic for me, very difficult time. You've heard some of the issues that I went through, but here's the miracle in the story. A family of ours that were going to the church, their young child at the time, came to me and said, our son was singing in his room. I said, well, what was he singing? And he said, a hymn that he's never sung before. And I said, tell me the hymn. He said, how great thou art. Now listen to me. I said, what time was he singing the hymn in his room? He told us the time and within seconds, within minutes, it was the exact same time we were gathered in the room singing that hymn. This boy who had never heard that hymn, do you hear me, was singing it. 
and they said, we believe God was letting us know, amen? You, you hear what I'm saying? You see how miraculous God could be in a tragic situation? That was one of the things that got me through that moment, amen? Of that horrific event. So God is faithful. We started this series, and I want to recap a couple of things, and I want to get into some things that I think we really need to do. Remember I said last week, this is not a three-week series of beating up on fathers and dads. Can anybody say amen? Wives, don't nudge them or punch them or, I told you you need to be better, you need to. That doesn't do anything, can I tell you? And by the way, this message is not just for fathers. This is for daughters, for mothers. We will sprinkle in a lot of things for you. But in researching this, one of the things I discovered is we have a, a tragedy in, our, in America and in the world. Do you believe me? And it's about fathers and the lack of fathers physically in the home and sometimes emotionally and spiritually in the home. Remember last week we said that, that there's a crisis and this entitled it The Father Factor. Listen to these statistics one more time and if you get a chance you can research them. Homes that have no father, there's a four times greater risk of poverty for that child. Seven times more likely for a teenage girl to be pregnant. Did you hear me? Seven times more likely to have behavioral problems, abuse and neglect problems, infant mortality is two times higher, more likely to abuse drugs and alcohol, more likely to go to prison. You don't have a dad in the house, you don't understand authority and fathers, you're more likely to go to the big house. How many of you want to go to prison? Hopefully not, amen? Two times more likely to suffer obesity, more likely to commit a crime, two times more likely to drop out of high school. Another report talked about the chances of those that were not fathered are 74%, I think it was, um, more likely to commit rape. The list goes on and on and on of this spiral effect in this cause effect of the fathers not being in the house, amen? It's said that 18.3 million children are without their bi biological father. And I would have to believe this report is kind of old, it might even be higher, amen? And so I really believe that this is worth a two or three week series of talking about the father factor and how it affects our homes, how it affects our wives, how it affects our children, amen? Remember last week we talked about how God has designed the family unit, specifically fathers, to be an example of God in the early years, right? So when dad's not in the house, or if dad is emotionally and spiritually absent, not playing his role, not doing his job, then we have problems. Can anybody say amen? We need godly men today, do we not? That was a good place for you to get a little charismatic on me. We need godly men. By the way, I had an opportunity to, and I'm going to this week, I'm going to call and thank all of my spiritual mentors, brothers, fathers in my life and let them know how important it was for what they did in my life. 
I got a chance last week to go to a birthday party. One of the first guys that discipled me, his name was Dan Mysick, and I said, I talked about you in church on Sunday. He said, really? I said, really? And I said, look at me. You have no idea how crucial of a role you played in my life. And I began to rehearse the different times and the sacrifice and the, the money and the, and the hours of hanging out with him. Here's a 20-year-old man taking me to, to places and buying me food and paying for gas money, amen? Teaching me about the things of God. And I said, I want to tell you something. I'm so appreciative. Tears began to well up in his eyes. He said, you have no idea how awesome it is to hear that I made a difference in somebody's life. Can anybody say amen? amen. I'm going to do the same thing with my spiritual dads. One has passed away, so I'll call their family and let them know what an amazing thing it is that they were a part of my life. You got some notes there, and we're going to go over this week and next week. So for the sake of memorization, we're going to call it the P's. Is that okay? So you can hopefully remember these. We're going to talk about the biblical responsibilities in the roles of fathers. Now listen to me. Remember, the father and the mother does overlap. Can we agree upon that? So when I talk about these roles and responsibilities, I'm not excluding mothers. I'm not saying mothers are not crucial. They're not important. They don't play a role because I'm telling you they do. And at times we do see this, do we not? But that being said, how many of you believe that God made fathers male, mothers female, and they're different? Can anybody say amen? Good preaching. They're different. We're not better than each other. We're not, but we are different. We are wired different, differently gifted. And so the home needs both. By the way, God did promise that he'd be a father to the fatherless. Amen. So if you didn't have a father, if your father was absent, don't give up hope. God is able to intervene. God is able to help you. God is able to bring people into your life to help you, to be a father figure, to be a spiritual mentor. Amen. By the way, I said last week, don't reject that if it comes into your life. If God sends you help. Take it. Can anybody say amen? Look at me. We all need help. Is that not true? We all need help. So let's go through this. Number one. And if you have your Bibles, you can flip with me today. I'm going to do what um, Rich did. I don't have any of these written down. So let's see how fast I can get to them. Number one, I'm going to talk about as a provider. How many believe that, that fathers are actually supposed to provide for their family. Do you believe that? Let's read 1 Timothy 5, verse 8. It says this, But if anyone does not provide for his own family, and especially of his household, it says he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Did you get that? I'll never forget... And I'm not going to say any names, but when we were endeavoring, me and Chris, to pioneer a church, there was a young man that came in and he did worship for us. And, and I'd already had a couple of 
run-ins with him at the previous church. So I knew this was going to be an interesting dynamic and interesting relationship. So he comes in and he helps us out and he's passionate for worship. Believe he's called to worship. Um, side note, him and his wife had a baby very early. They were very young. They were not fathered well. They were not mentored well. So they had some, a bunch of packages and, and things they were dealing with. But I'll never forget, I began to mentor him and I began to teach him some things. And one of the things I had to teach him was that work was okay. Now, if you want to understand me, I've owned my own business for a long time. My biggest pet peeve, just this is just me, is laziness. If you want to get on my nerves and be lazy as a man, you still love me? And so I sat down with him and I said, tell me a little bit about the dynamics of your home right now with you and your wife and the child and what you're doing. Well, we're both going back to college. She's taking this, I'm taking this. She's taking 40, she's taking full-time credits. She works 40 to 45 hours a week on the side. She does this, she does that. I said, well, tell me about you. Well, I'm going to school part-time and I'm working part-time. I said, can you repeat that to me? You're what? Well, I'm called, you know, I'm doing worship in the church and I'm called to ministry and, and I'm called and I'm really, my main focus is to stir up my ministry and my gifting and my call. I said, brother, we have an issue. I said, your wife is working 40 hours and going to school full time. You're going to school part time and working part time. I said, it's time to make some adjustments and his face begins to change. And I said, if you wanna be in my church and you wanna be underneath my leadership, that's not gonna fly. And I said, let me ask you another question. How come you don't have your license? Well, you know, that scares me and that's too much responsibility. I said, dude, you're married, you have a child. It's time for you to take care of your family. Can anybody say amen? And so this didn't go too well for probably months on end. I rustled some things inside of him that he didn't want to hear. But somebody had to see, speak truth into his life in love so that he had a healthy family and a healthy relationship. Can anybody say amen? I know if Chris remembers this one time we were in Pittsburgh going to a conference and he still hadn't got his license and we pull up to the gas station, right? And I get out to get gas and his wife, his wife gets out and pumps the gas and he's sitting in the car. Oh my gosh. I come undone. I, I fly over to the car. I open up the door and I say, get your butt out of the car and pump the gas. What's the big deal? I said, are you kidding me? You, you not only don't drive, but you're too good to pump the gas. Anybody say amen. Life lessons are a good thing, are they not? And so for one thing that I knew that I knew the new within me, that part of my role as a dad was to provide for my family. Can we say amen? That's not the only thing, but God has called us to provide. And so we see that this should be a priority in our life. All right, so number one, we're gonna talk about, we talked about as provider. Number two, this is huge. And everybody hang on and everybody, you still gonna love me after this message, dads? Yeah. You are? 
All right, you're still going to love me. Number two, fathers are to be a role model, an example in purity. Now we're going to get into it, aren't we? Purity, holiness, right sexuality should be coming from dad in the household. Amen? Once again, listen to me. In this crowd of people, I can tell you right now, we have issues in here. We have perversion, we have pornography, we have a whole host of things that some of you are dealing with. And all I can tell you is God is able to help you with that. Can anybody say amen? And there's no judgment here, there's no condemnation here. As we bring up this subject, I'm not bringing any of that. But I am telling you, if you want your daughters, if you want your boys to be healthy sexually, you better be healthy sexually. You better know what it's like to be a man of God with purity after your wife. And they better hear about that stuff. And they better get grossed out when you kiss your wife and you hold her hand. And when you, oh, that's gross, that's yucky. I said, you better hope that never ends, girls. Amen? Purity. Go to Philippians really quick. I can tell you that statistically they say that Pornography, right? Rich, you, you've got into this, is almost as high in the church as it is in the world. We might be a little bit better, but I don't know. Is that true? A little bit. So we have a long ways to go. We're going to go to Philippians. We're going to go to um, 1 Timothy again. Did everybody bring their Bibles today, their phones, their tablets? Philippians 4. A lot of the stuff that we're going to be reading is going to be coming from the Apostle Paul, who was a, a, a great father to Timothy and Titus, as you know. So 4, 8, and 9, and then we're going to go to, to 1 Timothy 4, 11 through 16. It says this, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure... Whatever things are lovely, whatever things are good, if anything virtuous or anything praiseworthy, God teaches to meditate on those things. Verse 9, a great passage. In the things that you learned and received and heard and saw, did you just hear that? What did Paul say? The things that you learned, received, heard, and saw in me, these do. That's your goal, Dad. That's your goal, fathers and mothers. Listen to me, you've heard about the PK syndrome. I hope to God that if you were to take my children aside and say, tell me about this crazy guy that gets up and screams. Is he really, really the real deal behind closed doors? Or is he a fake? Is he a phony? Is he a farce? We have real conversations. We talk about sex. Can anybody say amen? Sophie probably doesn't remember this, and I will not embarrass you too much, and I thank you, Christine. It's all good. Chris gets nervous when I talk about family sometimes, as mothers should. Sophie, very early on, would ask me very frank, real questions. And you probably don't remember the one conversation going from... TJ Maxx 
to, no, it was from one of the stores. We're just walking and all of a sudden the floodgates open up and she starts asking me questions that I never thought would come my way. And all I can tell you is I didn't panic, even though inside I was panicking. Can anybody say amen? I was just like lost. But all I can tell you was I knew this had to be a healthy thing that she was approaching me with these kind of questions to dad. Amen. And I began to be frank and I began to be real and I began to be honest with her so that we could have this communication together. Amen. And then I don't know if you remember this, Sophie, I began to talk to her about some books and some materials and soul ties and the results of sexual activity out of marriage and what it'll produce and what will happen in your life and what will play out in that scenario. Amen? Please don't think that should come from somebody else. That should come from you. Amen? And so we would have these conversations and hopefully I did an okay job. I don't know. Time will tell. Amen? We'll see how it all plays out. By the way, some of you may say, well, how come you wear so much jewelry today? Let me tell you a little bit about my jewelry. This is my wedding band. By the way, I'm old school. This doesn't come off. That's me. You do whatever you want for 28 years. You can count on my hand how many times this thing has come off my finger. When I used to work in the field, I had an old ring and a good ring. And so I would switch them out, but there was always a wedding ring on my hand. Can anybody say amen? This finger is the silver ring thing finger where I went through class with Sophie and Chloe, talked about purity. They took the parents behind closed doors and I didn't act like I was an expert, amen? I listened to what they had to say about youth and about kids and sexuality and emotions and everything they go through. And as parents, they gave us good wisdom as to when we should let them date and not let them date. And that this ring, every time you see it, you should pray for your girls that they will be pure until they get married. Can anybody say amen? Stand in the gap and pray. And so that's what I do. I have a bracelet that says dad and a cross on it that they gave me. Amen. I have another bracelet that says Sophie, Chloe and Ella on it. I'm here to tell you something. There's reminders everywhere in my life of family. Can anybody say amen? So purity, allowing God to keep us pure and not allow the things of the world to penetrate. Go to sec, go, let's go to um, 1 Timothy. Stay with me. 1 Timothy 4. Now we know that this is a passage that that Paul is talking to Timothy concerning his ministry and concerning the church. But I don't think we're too far out of context to be able to use it in this setting. Because the, the top of the title is to take heed to your ministry. Can I ask you something, fathers? Is your family a ministry? Is your family a ministry? I'll never forget one of the greatest lessons that my, my spiritual dad taught me. We were in a counseling session, and some of you have heard this before, but it's worth repeating, of a young man that was on the mission field with his parents his whole life. Listen to me. His parents got at least statistically, they believe, over a hundred thousand people were saved underneath their ministry. 
out in the boondocks. They went everywhere and they ministered. They were extremely successful. This young man, I got a chance to listen to his events and at this point he was getting older. And it was about his anger and his hurt and his resentment and all the things that he is angry at his parents at during ministry. Because in his eyes, ministry was more important than him. And he was angry and he was bitter. And I never forget, it was like a two hour counseling session that I was allowed to be in the back, kind of in the back room just listening. And I remember leaving and we got in the car and he said, Jeff, that's when I knew something was coming. Yes, Paul. Do you think he was successful? I said, what do you mean? In ministry, his parents, they got 100,000 people saved. Were they successful or were they not? I said, well, the numbers don't lie. People were saved. Lives were changed. People were miraculously healed. And he said, if you lose your family, you've not been successful. He wasn't downplaying what God did in his life and his ministry, but he was teaching me a priority even before I had kids. Don't lose your kids. Can anybody say amen? Make sure that ministry in your household stays strong and vibrant and they want to serve God. And Sophie is going to Liberty and Chloe is going to Liberty and we believe Ella's going to Liberty. We're having a Liberty party. Can anybody say amen? And hopefully they will discover and further discover God's purpose and call. But look at this. It says, let no one despise your youth, but be an example to believers in word and conduct and love and spirit and faith and in, are you there? In purity till I come, give attention to reading and exhortation and doctrine. Goes on to say, don't neglect the gift that's on you. Meditate in these things and let your progress be evident to all. We have to be an example to our family in purity. Can anybody say amen? And can I ask you something, men? If you're struggling, if you're having issues, if you're fighting with this battle, first of all, you can win. Can anybody say amen? You can overcome. And if not for anything else, get determined to win so your family unit can stay healthy. Amen? So when they come to you and your sons have questions for you that are difficult and your daughters have questions, you can answer, you can answer them honestly, right? And that you don't have to fake that everything's okay and behind closed doors, you're a train wreck, amen? We wanna raise up sons and daughters as Brian prayed that are healthy and full of the power of the Holy Spirit. We wanna pray that we're an example in purity. By the way, Chris will tell you this. Here's a true story. Whenever temptation has come knocking at my door, I've let her know. Hello. It hasn't happened very often, but I'll never forget early part of a church. There was a secretary that, you know, was doing, was very touchy, right? She kept touching me. And I remember going to Chris and saying, the secretary's touching me too much. She goes, what do you want me to do? Nothing, but I just want to let you know, man, she's touching me and it's not good. 
I just wanted her radar to be up and to let her know that I, I have a feeling something's happening and I want some accountability. Can anybody say amen? And I would, and I would begin to duck her, right, at church. I'd do everything to stay away so she didn't have to... Listen, I, I'm a very touchy guy. But by the way, um, there's times to be touchy and not to be touchy. Can anybody say amen? And this was not the kind of touch that needed to be happening. Please be careful of the things that you view and the things that you take in. Can anybody say amen? Number three, let's move on. This is a huge one. Fathers are to bring peace. And you, and you say, what do you mean by that? Well, I'm going to explain. Let's go to a couple passages first. Go to Romans 15 and then 16. Romans 15, we're going to read 13, and then we're going to go to 16. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's go to Romans 16. 16.20. And it says, And the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet shortly. Let's go to the last one, then I'm going to talk about these. Let's go to Philippians 4. We've already been there, but there's some more stuff in here. Four through seven. We already read part of this. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be made known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Why would I bring up this as being one of the P's for the fathers? One of the things that I lacked, and if this was you, you can understand that. One of the things I lacked in our household growing up was there was very little peace in our house. How many know what I'm talking about? There was a lot of fighting. There was a lot of anxiety. There was a lot of stress. There was a lot of screaming. There was a lot of shouting. But there was very, very little peace. And children need a home where they sense and they feel God's presence and God's peace. And I want you to be very careful to let you know that I'm not trying to in any way be boastful about the couple things I'm going to say. One of the things that at least for me has been one of the greatest compliments that I've received from kids, from guest ministers, and from numerous friends that come to our house and stay. This is what they say many times. We love staying at your house because it's peaceful. They don't know how big of a compliment that is to me. Not that it's beautiful, not that it's new, not that we have nice carpeting, and Chris does a wonderful job decorating, which she does. They say, we sense there's peace in this place. That doesn't happen by accident. Do you hear me? That happens as a result of you sowing and praying and guarding that which is yours. 
See, my prayer and Chris's prayer from day one was this. That we would have a house where everybody wanted to come to. Do you hear me? And by the way, that sinners and saints is welcome in the Ekstrom house. You're welcome in our house, amen? To come and to hang out and to dine and to fellowship and to have fun. We have had over the last 15 years, I can't tell you, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of parties and kids and food and chaos in our house. And you know what? It's been worth it. Can anybody say amen? It's been worth every bit of it. I'll never forget, Sophie had a friend come stay for a season at our house, and she had a lot of issues. And it was short-lived, but it was worth it. And we had a coming to Jesus meeting with her about some issues and things, and, and, and we had to move on. And I'll never forget what she said. With tears in her eyes, she said, I don't know if this means anything to you, but you don't know what it was like to see a normal family function. Eat together, hang out together, pray before they, you eat. The things that you did, you have no idea what it's done for me to be a part for you to bring us into your home and to allow us. Now listen, she could have said, yeah, there's been too much fighting. And listen, our household is, is loud at times. Three girls, can anybody say amen? But she said that she had never, ever seen that before, ever. So you have no idea what you're doing and what you're sowing into. Our house should be a place where we feel God's presence and where we feel God's peace. And I truly do mean that, that it's not just for the church. We've tried to open our homes to all Everybody, can anybody say amen? And God has been really faithful. Number four, and we're going to do something really special today, so please stay with me. This is a big one. And I was going to use my youngest daughter in this, but I, did, I didn't dare to because I think that she would have probably disowned me. Number four is perseverance. Go to Romans chapter five. Our children should see us persevering. And I want to explain that, how important this is. Let's read one through five, and then I have a couple other passages that I want to read to you. It says, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord. There's peace again. Through whom we have access by faith into grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces what? Perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. Hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Let me give you two more passages. Hebrews 12:1 says this, this was Paul. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. 
This is a marathon, not a sprint. Can anybody say amen? 2 Timothy 4, 7 says, this is Paul. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I have kept the faith. I love the passage. You've heard me preach it before, but I think it's worth saying again, is when, when Paul demands to go to Rome and he is testifying to what God has done in his life in, in the the government leadership are saying, Paul, you've, you've done lost your mind. What is wrong with you? You've checked out. You're insane. And Paul says, King Agrippa, I've not been disobedient to the heavenly vision. Paul, in the face of, of criticism of them saying, you have lost it. You've lost your mind. You've mentally checked out serving this Jesus all your life and even petitioning to come here. What is wrong with you? You never even had to come to Rome. And he said, yes, I did. It was part of the plan of God. And by the way, I wasn't disobedient. I finished the race. I've done what God has called me to do. I was talking to a few people after church last week and there was a lot of people that were very complimentary and I appreciate that so much. And I said that if you were to ask me, what has it been in the last... I've been saved for 40 years, but been a family man for what? 18, 19 years. What has kept you right? What has kept you in the game? What has caused you not to give up, not to throw in the towel, not to go south, not to... What is it? It's this. Is that when it's all said and done, will they be able to say, thank you, Dad, for persevering? Thank you for not just preaching it behind the pulpit, but living it behind the scenes. You persevered. And I got emotional this morning when I thought about this because here's my, here's my number one dream. You want to know what my dream is for the rest, for, for my end time, when that time has come, when my hour is up and it's over with. I have no idea when that will be or how it will happen. But here's my dream. This would be my ultimate dream. Is that around my side would be all my kids and my grandkids. And that they would all together say, we're thankful that you persevered and you obeyed the call of God on your life. The end. Then it should be lights out for me. It's time to go home. I done did my job. Can anybody say amen? That should be our heart. That if you don't do it for you, at least do it for them. And I was explaining to somebody, I can't imagine, I can't imagine being before the judgment seat of Christ and him saying, you know, you did partially good, but if you only would have finished the race, if you only would have stayed the course, if you only would have endured the hardship a little bit longer, a little bit farther, this is what would have happened. I'll still make it to heaven. I'll still enter in. 
But can I tell you, it's far beyond that as a dad. It's about that right there. The little girl sitting in your lap. Knowing that when you blink an eye, they're going to be like that. And you don't get that back. You don't get to say, you don't understand how, how busy I am at work, kids. You don't understand the stress I'm underneath. You don't understand how important it is to minister and for the people and for the... And all the time, push them aside and say, someday I'll have time for you. Listen to me. That someday will be up really, really fast. And they remember. Do you hear me? They do remember if you persevere. They do remember if you stayed the course. They do remember that when all hell broke loose in your life, you stayed faithful to God. You didn't curse God. You didn't turn your back on Him because you knew that could be too devastating for their lives. Somebody has to pay the price. Do you hear me? So if it's not anything else inside of you, let there be a determination that I have to persevere with God. I have to finish the race. I have to fulfill the call so that I can pave the way. I can't make them obey God. I can't demand they follow Christ. But I can persevere. I can lead an example. I can show them things in my own life that hopefully will allow them to have an opportunity to see the goodness of God. Can anybody say amen? So number four, let's learn to persevere. The example that I was going to do, but Ella's rolling her eyes right now. Perseverance. So I have a strange backstory. I've been in and out of the gym my whole life, right? So I used to go to the gym in my 20s and then kids started to come and I slacked off and I got weak and fat. Have you ever been there before? I remember the day that I looked in the mirror and I said, that's not me because he's weak and fat. And then I remember telling Chris for years, I'm going to go back someday and I'm going to get in shape. Yeah, yeah, we've been hearing that for five years, right? I eventually did do that. I hurt my shoulder. I, now I'm back on the journey again. But it's interesting, the gym has been a tremendous place of teaching that God teaches me about discipline, about perseverance, about training and self-control. But can I tell you, there was this one thing when I started to come back to the gym that they used to do that I never did. How many of you know what a plank is? Anybody? Raise your hands. Okay. Huh? Oh my God. I just want to tell you that when I first went back to the gym and I would see these people doing these planks, I thought, what? What are you doing? So stupid. Until the boy said, Jeff, jump in, let's do some planks together. And within 45, you ever have your body do this? I'm like, oh my God, what are these things? A plank that I was criticizing. It's your core, right? I remember Ella is in gymnastics and so is her little friend that's with her, Gracie. Don't ever challenge a gymnast to core exercises. Because I'll remember, so for me, by the way, the last time me and, this is a true story and I'll let it be known, Chris got to boast. We were both in the gym and I said, come on Chris, let's do some planks. 
45 seconds in, my body begins to do this. But I'm like, oh my God, I can't lose to her. I, by the way, I love women, but I don't like to lose to women. Just a confession. And so I bow out and she's still there. So I get done. I'm wanting to go do some of this stuff. As soon as we get in the car, guess what, girls? Mommy just beat daddy in planks. And I said, I wasn't even trying. I didn't even try. I asked Ella one time, I said, Ella, how long do you guys plank for? She goes, last time we did, they stopped us at five minutes. I said, are you out of your mind? I said, you can plank like this? for five minutes. So what I wanted to do, which she would probably, I was gonna challenge any boy to try to outplank her. How many boys think they can plank for more than five minutes? Anybody? See, you're lucky I didn't do it because you would have been schooled. What is the reason for bringing that example up? How in the world can those two girls that are so cute plank for that long? Endurance, perseverance, training. They beat the crap out of their bodies every single day. You have got to have your head examined to ever want to be in gymnastics. I'm just telling you, there is no way after I see what they go through, I would ever do that, that sport. Can anybody say amen? But I'm here to tell you something is, as I have been going back to the gym again, God's been teaching me about perseverance. Amen. When I first went back again, you know what, Brian? Oh God, it was, it's still terrible. But when you go back and you're fat and you're weak and you see all the strong muscular people, you just want to puke, right? And run for the hills. But you know what? If you persevere, if you stay the course, if you, this is a true story. And here's another thing that we'll preach. When I went back the first time and I had not been in the gym for almost 20 years, Matt, I thought it would take me two years to get back. Six months, I had muscle memory and I was back where I was before. Do you hear me? My silly fat body, underneath the fat, the muscles still remembered. They still remember what I used to do. And they came back and they came back alive again. You wanna know what that's hope for? For all those prodigals that have ran away year after year, after year, after year, after year, amen? God instantaneously can bring them back. And all of a sudden, muscle memory comes back for them again, amen? God begins to pour out his love and his grace. And they begin to remember the scripture again. And they begin to remember the goodness of God. And they begin to repent. And they begin to get right. God can do that kind of stuff, can he not? Number four, perseverance, amen? Stay the course. I want to do something for the last couple minutes. It's only 13 after 11, so give me a few minutes. AJ, could you come up and play, please? How many, how many women, children, deeply desire that the men of God would be the men of God they're called to be? Raise your hands. No judgment, no condemnation, no, you need to be more like this. Isn't that what you desire? I wanna do two things today. 
and a few planks. <laughs> How long can you plank for? for? That's about me. We should have a plank contest, me and AJ, to see who's in better shape. Would you do me a favor, wives, children, would you reach your hands and over to your dad? And this is what I want you to do. I want you to pray for them. I want you to pray that God would make them the men of God that they're called to be. The husbands, the fathers, that he has destined them to be. And maybe you have to do it, they're not here today. You can just pray for them. Secondly, do this to me. Would you provide a safe place for them to be real to you? Will you provide a safe place for them to be real to you? Where they can confess and say, listen, I've been dropping the ball. I've not been living up to what God wants me to be, and I know it. And I come to you in humility and say, please, help me. Pray for me. Help me get accountable. Help me to do whatever I have to do to get right with God. Because I want to be, listen to me. You didn't hear one of the statistics. It says that 74% of Americans are concerned about the issue of fathering. They're deeply concerned. It's an issue. It's a problem that we have to win. And for heaven's sake, we better win it in the church if, church if we're going to influence the world. Can anybody say amen? So bow your heads. Father, we reach our hands toward the men of God here today. We have future fathers. We have fathers. We have grandfathers. We have spiritual fathers and spiritual grandfathers that are represented today. And I believe all of them, they would not be here this Sunday morning in this church if they didn't desire God. So we pray for them. God, we cry out against the enemy that's trying to pervert the men of God. And we ask you to raise up godly leaders, and godly mentors, and godly fathers we break and I break the spirit of the enemy from robbing their call and their destiny. I break the strongholds in their minds that captivate them from unholy thinking and viewing things they shouldn't be viewing. Gotta break it in Jesus' name. Loose them to be the men of God, to be examples in purity to be examples in perseverance, to be examples of covering the household where the peace of God reigns in their house. Father, we ask you to fill them with your Holy Spirit and your power. Ignite a fire within them. God, we need your help today. And fathers, as they're praying for you, would you do me a favor and just you cry out to God. You cry out to God and be real.
you got to confess, confess. If you've got to repent, repent. If you've got to meet your family later on today and talk about some stuff, don't wait. Today is the day. Father, move in a miraculous way. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, God, that you've called me to do this mini-series. I knew it would be difficult at times to bring up some difficult subjects. But Father, I believe that you being a good, good father wants to bring that goodness to earthly fathers so that earthly fathers can raise up godly children that can penetrate and change the world. It all begins in the family. It all begins with the family unit. So Father, this morning, let them feel your love. For those that have never experienced the love of a father, naturally. God, you said you'd be a father to the fatherless. So God, open up their eyes of how much you care for them and love them. And like last week, God, we break all bitterness and anger and resentment and hurt and abuse that have happened in people's lives. You're able to heal and restore and deliver and cleanse. Nothing's too difficult for you. Secondly, I pray for those that need further help in areas of their lives, that they would man up and get the help. That they would seek help, first from God, of course, but from other men, from other ministries that can help them overcome and to be all that God's called them to be. So Father, this morning, we seal the service. We seal all the graduates that are represented here today. God, lead them and guide them. God, as we finish this series up on Father's Day and get into some more peas and talk about protection, talk about prayer and prophetic declaration over their children's lives, as we will lay hands on our children and bless the next generation, that we would understand and comprehend the power of a dad laying their hands on their children and speaking the blessing of God over their lives all the days of their lives. The power of prayer, the peace of knowing that dad is praying for them, believing for them, encouraging them. God, we look to you. We all fall short. We all have weaknesses. We all have inconsistencies. But God, we thank you that you are the author and the finisher of our faith. And this is the final prayer I wanna pray. God, I pray that we could be like Paul someday and say, I finished the race. Everything you mandated me to do, I did. I fulfilled my purpose on earth. Now it's time to go home. Father, I pray you'd give us that kind of tenacity to serve you. 
that we would stay the course and be the examples to the next generation. Father, I thank you for all the spiritual mentors, the fathers, the big brothers, those that discipled and trained me, sacrificed hours upon hours, money, time, gas, exhaustion. I'm asking you to return that blessing upon them. Bless them and bless their families for the sacrifice that they have made. God, I am so thankful for those that spent time pouring into me. God, we seal your work this morning. We bless you and we praise you. And everybody said, amen. I love you. God bless you. Have a wonderful, beautiful day.